Welcome to Good Morning, the podcast on a mission to open up the conversation around grief and loss with honesty and humour. Hosted by Sally and Imogen, we interview interesting guests to hear how losses shape their lives. Join us as we laugh, cry and drop the odd F-bomb. Welcome back to our Up Close and Griefy segment. What are we talking about today, mate? Today's episode, we are going to be kind of delving back. So taking a look back at our grief and where we were at when we first started the podcast versus now, which is something that we haven't actually done before. And I feel like we're kind of ready, aren't we? We are. And we get so many questions and messages from loads of you saying like, how do you guys cope? Like, how has your grief changed shape? Like, what does like, you know, year three look like for you versus when you were fresh in your grief? Like I'm fresh in my grief and I just don't know how I'm going to get through this. So yeah, looking forward to a bit of a deep dive, but before we get in, how into it, how are you feeling him? Because last time you had COVID. (laughs) Yes. I am testing negative for COVID now. So I think the COVID is mostly gone, but I'm still feeling a little bit of after effects from it. Um, quite tired. I've, got, I've been getting headaches in the evenings, which hasn't been nice. Um, I just went and saw my psych, I don't even know what to call him. He's a psychopharmacologist slash hypnotherapist slash what else is, is Terry. He's a bit of everything, isn't he? He sounds like a miracle man, old Tether. <laughs> He is. He's so good. Um, but I just went and had a, had a um, session with him to talk about, yeah, what I can take to kind of make me feel a bit better, which was good. Is this for like anxiety and general, like well-being as well? Yes. All of those things. So when I got COVID, I just started spiraling really badly into my anxiety again, which I think is fairly normal. Um, Season listeners will know that I'm a hypochondriac. <laughs> I have generalized anxiety anxiety disorder. So getting COVID really freaked me out. And um, I think you were really helpful actually, Sal, because when I first told you I had it, you're like, mate, just spend the week like focusing on your breath and like meditating. And I even found on this meditation app, they've got like COVID meditation. <laughs> so I was listening to them. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, so that was kind of what I was focusing my energy on while I had it. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling all right. I'm, I'm getting on top of things before it spirals too hard. (laughs) Good, good. And it sounds like this Terry is so helpful, like giving you all sorts of like remedies and solutions for feeling better. And you said like out of everything you've done to help with like your anxiety, seeing him has been like number one, which is amazing. So he looks at things from like a holistic point of view. So he basically looks at your biochemistry and where you're in balance. So I always knew I had a chemical imbalance, but whenever I went to a GP, they just don't really look into those things thoroughly. They just go, oh, go on antidepressants. And so I would, and I'd go on and off antidepressants um, for years, but it never it never fixed it for me. It was never a, a long-term solution. It was almost just kind of a band-aid effect and it made me feel a little bit better at the time, but then I would always have all these other weird side effects. So I didn't like it. Um, so Terry looked at naturally, like what am I not producing? 
And so I'm really high. Like I produce a lot of adrenaline, like too much adrenaline and I've got low serotonin. Um, and yeah, he put me on these supplements that just made me feel a million times better. We'll put them in the show notes. I don't need to rattle them all off now, but if anyone's keen to, um, see a psychopharmacologist and if they, you know, experience things that I do, like just hyper alertness, anxiety, difficulty sleeping, concentrating, all of those things, um, check out the show notes and we'll put in there what's, what's really helped me. But Sal, tell us about your day. My day. So, I mean, I need to go and see Tezza. It sounds absolutely amazing. Tez I've dogs. never, Tez dogs. <laughs> I've never heard of, I had not heard of like, what was it? Bio, bio pharma. I just had a sip of water. <laughs> I just had a sip of water when you asked me that. Hang on a second. Choking. Oh my God. Sorry, guys. Woo. Um, biochemistry. So he's a psychopharmacologist and he looks yeah. at your biochemistry, which is fascinating. Yes. He sat like, he sounds so fascinating. I'm definitely going to book an appointment. Do but it. yeah, my morning has been really interesting. So. I have just been diagnosed with ADD. I feel um, like I want to clap, but it's so yeah. weird. We want to do that because it's something that we've been like wanting to know the answer to for a while, isn't it, Sal? Yeah, for so long. So I've I have I've suspected that I've had it for ages. I I like drift off mid-sentence when I'm talking to my husband. Like I will just forget what I'm saying. I find it really hard to focus on things. Um, I've never had great attention to detail. When I first started out in my like PR career, you've got to be really good at like, write, like I am a good writer, but you've got to be like really, you know, like on point with your like detail. And I have really had to like practice that because I, I just rush things, but also like I'm, I find it really hard to relax. I'm always on the go. My brain is constantly thinking of like different ideas and different things. Full of ideas, your brain. Yeah. Amazing like, ideas. But sometimes I'm like, holy shit. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. Where are, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. And like, we are so good together because I'm very good at like big picture, like let's do this. And you're really good at like like the detail and like right let's like take a step back and like you know you're good at like the detailed stuff and I think I'm really good at like mo moving things and like yes. the fast pacedness but also like what about this what about you know so yeah. I think it works really well and I think that's why I was probably really suited to a career in PR because it is so fast paced multiple deadlines and like you're literally flitting from one task to another but now that like I'm not in that fast paced work environment, I actually find it quite hard to like structure my days and to actually like focus in because I don't have that, you know, that work kind of the deadlines and yeah, so many things. I won't bore everyone with all my symptoms. And how, how do you feel now having that diagnosis cell? I feel like, oh, okay. Like, you know, maybe that answers some questions, but more than anything, I think it answers a lot of questions as to why I was the way I was at school. And we were exactly the same at school. And we've had this conversation off air, but you know, I, I just rebelled at school from like the ages of like 14 to 16. I left school with one GCSE. I just didn't care. I had a lot of things going on at home, but also, you know, I was bright. I wasn't like, you know, it wasn't that I was failing because I was struggling academically, but it was just, if I wasn't interested in the subject, I'd be like, not you know not interested and I just wouldn't apply my attention I'd just be like writing notes and like chatting and anyway so I, I kind of think like oh I wonder what 
it would have been like for younger me if I'd known this now. If any listeners have been diagnosed with ADD late in life and have got any tips or, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Um, but enough about us and our... I mean, this whole episode's going to be about us. So. Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> it's our time to shine. Uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess we get so many questions, don't we, from listeners saying, like, what was your grief like then versus now? And it's it's wild to think how much things have changed like it's still very much part of us isn't it but I often think like you know good morning if we hadn't have started good morning what our grief would look like don't you absolutely that's a thought that we often have um I just I tell you what like I could I I would never be able to think about like my grief evolving when I was in the early days or even months like the thought of it changing shape just felt so far from reality when you're yes. in the thick of it, didn't it, Sal? Absolutely. Like it was all consuming, wasn't it? And yeah, I just think if I just couldn't imagine a day when I wasn't swamped by my grief back in the early days, it was just constant, wasn't it? Oh my God. Yes. Do you remember the first day where you didn't think about your mum nonstop and you messaged me and you're like, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And I remember being like caught off guard by it. I was like, what? Wait, hang on. It's been a few hours and I haven't thought about my mum. And, you know, I do still think about her every day, but it's definitely not all the time, like, you know, around the clock. What about you? I'm still yet to have like one of those days where there's a big chunk of time where I kind of go, holy shit, I haven't thought about her for ages. I haven't had that yet. But I like, I know that there's a lot of like complicated trauma added, you know, in my grief that it's going to take a long time. And I try not to judge myself anymore, you know, thinking I should be further along than I am. Um, Because I think like from the work that we've done, and I think especially speaking to Julia Samuel, she really helped me understand it. She said like suicide takes a very, very long time to process. So I've kind of surrendered to that and taken away any expectation that I should be further along than I am. But yeah, I haven't had a, I haven't had like a full afternoon or half a day. I've definitely had about, I'd say an hour, which is huge for me, early me. So for this episode, Sal and I went back and we listened to our, our stories that we put out there. Like when I was six months into my grief and you were nine months in, about that yeah about nine months in and it was so wild going back that far and like listening to our little voices oh do you remember when we um I remember when you came over so we were like we were, we were like let's do a podcast and and my husband was really supportive wasn't he went out and bought us the kit without yes. we basically like he we made <laughs> there was no going it. back <laughs> yeah and I remember you came round to mine it was like a Saturday afternoon and we sat there didn't we and set up like the we had like we had like a proper like roadcaster with the mixing deck and all the things and we sat at my coffee table didn't we yes. and and then do you remember like that time we recorded one episode and forgot to press record actually the so whole like, episode and I felt like it was a really good one yeah oh we had a few God. learnings in the early days didn't we yes but definitely I think back to your point in like what you've been through and you know suicide loss it is on another level and it is so traumatic and like everyone's grief is different and that's what we always say on this pod don't we and we will keep saying until the cows come home like you just can't judge yourself one person's grief and how they cope with another's like everyone's situation is so different like and 
what you went through and continue to go through like it it takes like it it, it takes a it takes time a lot of time and I think yeah that's what I've really surrendered to and I think doing you know you said before where would our grief be if we weren't doing the podcast or anything like that is I don't think that I would know all of the things that I know now that it's actually okay you know and it's normal we're normalizing all of these things by doing the work that they're doing. And I think by doing that, it's been so helpful for Definitely. both of us. And yeah. like, I, I remember the moment when I started to see more of you come through, like I felt like it was like probably like a few months into the pod. Oh my God. That just made me really emotional. You've never said that. Like, Oh, I, I remember like a t- when I first met you and we you know, you, it was, you, it was so heavy. It is. I know it's heavy for you now, but it was mm-hmm. really like heavy for you. And Dark. I remember, yeah. And I remember like just a just a when it, a, a sort of time when I felt like maybe things had lifted a little bit for you mm. when we were kind of a few months into the pod. And I felt like, you know, and this is something that we will we'll cover on um, a, another episode because I think it it needs its own airtime but like self-esteem and finding yourself again and like I think that you started to get a bit of you back you know when we kind of started the pod and and you'd kind of process some things but when I first met you I remember like yeah it was it was all consuming wasn't it like obviously for yeah absolutely all consuming and I think um there's still like there's parts of my story that obviously, you know, Sal in depth. (laughs) And I think when we used to meet up, that's what we predominantly sort of go over because I was still in that kind of like ruminating, trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. Um, so for listeners, yeah, there's parts of my story, which I haven't publicly talked about for various reasons. Um, one day I might, we'll, we'll see what happens, but Mm. I think, yeah, it's just like what happened to my mom is just it's just so surreal like it's mm. it's just so far from normal it's like unreal like the circumstances surrounding what happened are almost unbelievable so I think a lot of my grief has been taken up with that and I think maybe like what you're explaining is when I'd processed a lot of that stuff and maybe that started to lift and I kind of went into a more normal type of grief I don't know it's so it's so confusing but I do like I do definitely feel like there were there were moments when things shifted for me and doing good morning was literally a lot I've said all the time but it was a lifesaver for me in so many ways and meeting you well you were meant to do it because you do an amazing job you were meant (laughs) to do this you're meant to share this with the world but yeah like what obviously we can't talk about your story. Maybe, you know, maybe one day we can talk about the the whole, the, the whole picture, but you know, what you've had to deal with, there are multiple layers of mm. difficult things. So to see you like this today, I think you've done an absolutely amazing job of working through what is an unbelievable amount of unbelievable stuff that we can't, you know, go into detail, but yeah, like it's, it's just, it's, you wouldn't read about it, would you? It's just. Yeah. Like, I don't think I will probably meet another person in my life that has a story like yours. And let's take listeners back to what we can talk about and like your story yeah. in like what happened, like um, for listeners, you know, we've got a lot of new listeners on the pod who might not know your story. Yeah. So basically, I mean, in a nutshell, 
Um, I had just given birth to my daughter, Layla. She was nine months old. I was in the thick of motherhood. Um, I was still breastfeeding. Like I was just trying to find my way. And I think I, I was never like a really maternal type of person. So becoming a mom was a huge thing for me. Like mm. I was so out of my depth. Um, and all of a sudden my mom was going through some really heavy stuff. Um, so I, it's called situational depression or circumstantial depression. Um, she, she ended up dying by suicide and, it's something that I could never have imagined her doing. It was so far from like even an option for someone like my mum to do that. So it was a complete shock. Um, it all happened so fast. I didn't really know to the extent of what was happening when it was happening until it was too late, um, mm. which was been really difficult for me. And um, my grief has predominantly been guilt and anger um, I feel like those were the primary emotions that I was experiencing early on. And so I lived in a really, really dark place. And so listening back to our episodes, it was, it was really, it was actually quite hard. It was hard to hear myself in that place because it was six months in so, so fresh. How the fuck was I even like recording a podcast? <laughs> Who knows? But I think it was, it was my saving grace um, to to talk about it and, and process things. I, I, I really, I find it really helpful to talk. And so doing a podcast has, has been really helpful for both of us. Form for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So my grief, yeah, really looked like guilt and anger, which society doesn't really prepare you for. And people don't really understand that until they've gone through it. And I think, um, and a lot of shock, just, mm -hmm. yeah, just huge, huge shock. And so I would get stuck like ruminating over all of the details. So I just spent the whole time in my head and it was a horrendous place to be. Um, so I just spent, uh, yeah, the, the, the last couple of years trying to process and work through all of that in, in as healthy a ways as possible for me. But yeah, hearing back me telling my story, I was like shaking the whole time. Like I could hear it in my voice. I even mm -hmm. said like, I'm shaking while I'm, relaying you know what happened even though I can't really even say what happened um but something's definitely lifted and this uh, hopefully this episode gives anyone who is in those early stages like some hope that if I can pull myself out of the darkest fucking hole you can too and yeah I'm still listening to guided meditation every night <laughs> that hasn't changed but so so much of my grief has changed since then and Sal, you know, the thing, the thing with us and our dynamic is, is we are so similar in many ways, but our grief and our experiences with grief have been vastly different. Like take us back to, to your experience a little bit. So my mum died by something called SUDEP. So it uh, stands for sudden and unexpected death in epilepsy. Basically, I got up one morning, ready to go to the gym, turned my phone on and had a WhatsApp from her partner saying, can you, can you call me? Him and I didn't converse a lot. So I was like, that's weird. And yeah, yeah. I just remember him being like, your mum's passed away. And yeah, just, just the shock. I was like, are you joking? Like, you just think what? Like, that's the first thing you said, wasn't it? Are you yeah, joking? Are yeah. Are you joking? And it was just like, the level of shock, and I know a lot of people, like a lot of listeners will understand this. It's so common in grief. I think it's common whether you lose someone suddenly, even when it's anticipated, 
but I, I went on to autopilot mode basically. And I had to go back to the UK because I've got a brother, but he's autistic, severely autistic. So he couldn't support with any of the estate. So it was on me. So I, I found myself like, you know, back on the next flight, the next day, 6am, it's, I guess it's every expat's worst nightmare. You think about yeah. when, you know, you move to the other side of the world, you kind of think, okay, what are the payoffs here? Like, what are the things that I, you know, I'm kind of worrying about and being far away if something happens is up there, right? Like what happens if someone dies or something happens as an accident and I'm far away. So yeah, so that that was like, I guess my worst nightmare that came true. I was on the next flight to the UK. I remember, you know, one minute I'm in sunny Sydney, the next minute I'm like in like Birmingham in November, like just not ready to be like back in the UK. And like something that we haven't talked about a lot in the pod, but we are going to cover is the what people call the dead men, right? The admin that comes with a death. Oh my goodness. It was huge. I, I had so much to do. People don't obviously warn you or talk about like just how much is involved when someone dies. And especially because my mum obviously didn't prepare anything because she died suddenly. So it's like, you've got to piece things together. So mm. I was back in the UK for a month and I was sorting out all of her estate, the funeral planning, clearing the house out. And then when I got back to Australia, I had to sell a house from overseas in the middle of a pandemic, which was a nightmare. And it was like, it took me a good year, I think, to kind of get everything sorted. Um, and I I think I was on autopilot for a good few months. Like I, I remember that month of being back in the UK. I was like, every day I had to tick something off because it was, it was literally like there was just so much to do and like a, an only a short window of time. So I remember being like, just I don't have really time to like, process it was literally just like go 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 probably where my ADD like really helped me out Shined. <laughs> it was <laughs> your moment now, yeah um but then when I got back to Oz that's when it hit uh but even then you know I went back to work after a couple of weeks and I was firing on all cylinders like at work I was like it was weird like I was like what's wrong with me I was like man I managed like okay which is, I think, where we come back into the judgment process of grief. Like, yes. I was like, what is wrong with me? I'm like... Am I a robot? Which is something that you've, you know, been about. concerned about before. I was like, what's wrong with me? Yeah, but then I would have like, you know, I would get home at night and I would be so upset and like crying and griefy as fuck. Yeah. Weekends, I remember in the early days, I'd just lie on the sofa and just, I couldn't move. But... But then I was also able to operate at a pace of like normality at work. So for me, I was like, you know, what is wrong with me? Why am I able to function normally? But then we've had quite a few listeners that have reached out to us, haven't we? And, and said that they have been surprised at how they are okay in day-to-day yeah. -day stuff, although they feel their grief, they are able to function. And I think that's something that's really important to talk about. Like, and again, there's no right or wrong way to do it, is there? It's like No, and I, I think it is important to talk about. And you and I are polar opposites. And we had, yeah, really different experiences, like on each end of the scale, which is kind of good for people because we we now both know coming into this, we're like, both are normal. Both of our yeah. experiences are normal. Like neither one grieved properly. Like you didn't fail grief and I like nailed it. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's so, so different for everyone. And that's really important to highlight. 
one thing that we both found, even though our grief was very different in many ways, it's lonely, isn't it? Bloody hell, it's oh, lonely. <laughs> lonely as fuck. And that's what brought us together. That's yeah. what made us start this podcast is because it was so lonely. And that's what, you know, sent us to a support group, which we would never in a million years have thought about going to no and you know I think when you're in grief you realize how no one is exempt from this experience we are all going to go through it yet we don't really talk about it in society it's that awkward shuffle when people kind of you know broach the the topic they don't know what to say and it's one thing that like we're just not prepared for it and that is wild isn't it and obviously we're hoping to change that through the work that we're doing through Good Morning and all of the other amazing grief accounts out there. And listeners probably have felt this as well. Like it's it's lonely. You can feel really isolated. Yes. Um, and one of the things that we said, I think it was in my episode, maybe I said that like I was surrounded by people, but I felt like no one understood what I was going through. Yes. And that's just really, yeah, that really hit me when I was listening back to that. I'm like, that's exactly how I felt. Like no one understands this particular, like what I'm going through. And then, yeah. And that's the thing. I think when we say you feel lonely, people tend to think of like someone with no friends or like, Mm. you know, you're kind of like a loner, but it actually loneliness from the work that we've done through the podcast, we've learned that it's more like having that, um, those connections where you feel understood. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in your case, in our case, in so many of our cases, when we're grieving, it's, it's not necessarily that we haven't got mates or we haven't got support network, but it's having people that can, you can connect with on the things that you're going through, like grief, which is obviously it's a huge thing. Sal, in your episode, you were talking about something and because we're kind of revisiting you know, back to where we were then versus where we are now. Mm -hmm. Um, You were talking about having to make the really tough decision about whether or not you should see your mum after she died, so see her body. And at the time you made the decision not to. Mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of come back to that and see over the years, have you kind of had any regrets about that at all? Do you know what? None at all. Like it was, it was a really hard decision to make. I definitely grappled with it for about a week. Mm -hmm. Obviously I didn't have much time to make the decision. Um, and I decided against it mainly because I just had this feeling like I've got the memories of her that, you know, I can think about when I think of her and I don't want, I didn't want to like see the body. And if it, if it was upsetting or it didn't look like her to then just have this vision of her forever. And that be the only thing I can think of. And I just had this thought of like, what if I'm on the plane home and that's all I can think about. And I'm really glad that I made that decision. It's really hard because also it's like so time sensitive. You can't change your mind. Do you know what I mean? It's not like you can be like, oh, actually, you know, it's like you've got to like. I was going to say, I'll just dig her up and no. (laughs) (laughs) Look, we're all here for the dark sense of humor, guys. You know, if you're still listening after all this time, you wouldn't be shocked. (laughs) Sorry to any new listeners that, yeah, don't know that about us. (laughs) Very dark humor. (laughs) Um, So anyway, like I'm really glad that I stood by my decision because my auntie went to see her body and she actually said to me afterwards I'm really glad that you didn't go it was actually quite upsetting it didn't yeah. look like your mum just the way they'd like you know I think they put sort of cotton wool in the cheeks and you know that she said like the face shape looked different the way they've done her makeup um you know she said it just was upsetting so yeah. I feel I'm glad that I didn't go and 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 I haven't let it kind of 
be something that I ponder on since I've been like I didn't go and that's fine and I think I made the right decision for me but it's different for everyone but at that time I was like I just don't think I don't think I want to do it so yeah I don't think I I mean it wasn't an option for me um but I don't think I could have done that either to be honest I imagine it would be incredibly confronting and Mm. in in your episode I remember we talked a lot about therapy and all of the different kind of therapy that you had been doing and how it had been crucial to you getting through the early days and even like even you know the the early kind of first year really um and what was interesting is some people wait a few months don't they to go and get therapy after a loss but you went in straight away and do do you still see you know, do you still seek therapy? Like how often do you go? Like, how did it help in your healing journey then versus now? Therapy is an interesting one. And it's, it is so individual um, as well. Like some people couldn't bear the thought of going to therapy fresh in their grief, but I was like, fucking give me all the therapists. You had about five on speed dial, didn't you? I literally did. (laughs) I was seeing like a psychotherapist, a psychologist, I was seeing someone who specialized in suicide loss, um, all the therapists. I think because I have struggled with my mental health um, for many years, I was kind of really used to going to therapy. Like therapy has always been a thing that I know I needed. So it was kind of like, I'm in a really, really bad place right now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in my episode, I, I do discuss how I was um, experiencing like suicidal ideation. Like I, I wanted to die. Like I felt so horrendous. I, I couldn't see into the future. And I think this is also important to highlight on this episode. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even see one step in front of me. It was so dark. Um, so I knew I needed help. And I was willing to take it from anywhere that I could. So yeah, therapy was crucial for me, really helpful to kind of, um, again, process everything and unpack what I was going through and kind of have names for what it was that I was feeling and experiencing, um, mm-hmm. which I always found really helpful to be able to identify things. Yeah. Um, And I think that is, you know, what's been really helpful with the podcast too, is like learning names for things and types of grief and, you know, yeah, it's been super helpful. So yes, therapy was a big, yes, big green light for me. If, if you are listening to this and and haven't, you know, haven't gone to see someone and are kind of feeling a bit stuck and, and like you're needing some extra support, uh, go and see, I know in Australia, we go and see a GP and they set you up on a mental health plan. Um, I'm not sure, uh, what the protocol is in other countries. Um, but yeah, definitely see your doctor and, and talk to them and see if there's anyone that specializes in, you know, grief and loss. And back to your question earlier, am I seeing anyone at the moment? No, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm seeing Tezza, but it's a different kind of thing. Like Tezza's yeah. for like, um, my anxiety and like the supplements that I'm on and I'm going to do some hypnotherapy with him, which I'm really looking forward to, but I haven't been in traditional therapy for a long time, which is pretty amazing for me. Yes. I think we, we, we talk about grief all the time. So I guess maybe good morning is my therapy in a sense as well. Interesting. Yeah. But I'm always open to it. Like I know it's there if I need it. Um, but no, not seeing anyone at the moment, which is interesting, but yeah, basically looking back to where we were at, to where we are now, it's very different. Like we're in, in very, very different 
places and I personally no longer can't look into the future. Like I, I, I feel like I get excited for some things in the future now, which is amazing. I never thought that that would even be a thing. Um, but yeah, it's possible guys. And yeah, we, we just want to give you that hope. Absolutely. And on that note, then versus now. So Kalem, oh, this is an Instagram handle. <laughs> um, he, Helem asked. Kehelem. Kehelem. Yeah. <laughs> how is your grief different now to then? So I would say a massive one is grief bombs. The G-bombs were... The G-bombs. The G-bombs were literally all-consuming and every day it felt like at first. Drop in like it's hot, they were. <laughs> Love that, Sal. Um, yes, the grief bombs were so prevalent in the beginning like they were all the time weren't they like all encompassing I feel like there were days where I was crying all fucking day my eyes hurt so bad yeah and I felt like my grief session um box was like out all the time like you know I was I was having a grief sesh like you didn't even need to get the box out back then though let's be honest that's true actually I didn't need the box the box was like a nice to have but the grief sessions were like a lot as well you know the yeah. lighthouse family funeral song was like playing <laughs> a lot you know honestly though the box like has to come out now because when you get further along like if you're like sal and i now we basically bring grief on when we're feeling heavy and irritated long long-term listeners will know that we have things called grief sessions where we force ourselves to grieve and now i do think we've got to get out the grief box with like the memories and the photos and the letters and all of those things but yeah come a long way mate <laughs> we have because it felt like it was constant at first yes I had a I had a grief bomb actually on the weekend so I'm not going to say I'm not even having grief bombs anymore because that's an absolute lie um had one on Saturday actually was my last one. Oh, really what happened just like out of nowhere literally or- well yeah I guess it was kind of out of nowhere I haven't had a big cry for a while and um Layla, so she's she's just turned three and so she's sometimes she's very whingy <laughs> people who have like toddlers will understand like how much that fucking grinds on you like it's so so hard and the whinging was going on for a good couple of hours um on this particular day and I couldn't cope anymore and nothing was good enough like I'd try and solve her problems everything and nothing was good enough she kept whinging kept whinging and I just broke and I was like I'm either gonna scream or I need to like remove myself from the situation right now so she was in the bathroom like on the door I was like I'm just gonna have a minute mommy's gonna take herself outside and I went into my room and I just fucking lost it and I burst into tears and I wanted my mom I think like I've just been giving so much of myself away And normally I'd go to my mum to give me back that kind of like, I don't know, like what I give to Layla, I don't feel like I get from anyone else anymore because my mum used to give it to me. Like, are you okay, Mm. darling? Have you had enough sleep? Are you eating properly? Are you looking after yourself? Like that real nurturing kind of unconditional love. And I don't get that anymore. Mm. And it's kind of like, when I'm in those situations with Layla, I just want to fucking call my mom. Like, I just want to call her and I want her to be like, you're doing great. This is really hard, you know? And I just had this moment where I was like, I've got fucking like, no, like, I just felt really lonely. And I was like, I just, I just want her. And I was just crying and crying and crying. And I was like, get your fucking self together. You know, you've got to go back in there and be a mom. But I just, 
like I just yeah it broke me so um, understandable though like you need oh, that guidance like yeah it's out you know also you're doing an incredible job like it's not easy thank you it is not easy and especially that age that she is at the moment but of course like you want your mum like you want that mm. guidance and that reassurance and that love and yeah it's, it's just yeah. like I feel like she used to fill my cup up when it was yeah. really low when it was really empty and like I know I've had to learn to fill my own fucking cup up for so long since she's died but it's like I just was like I've got nothing left like I needed to come and fill my cup up and I just had a moment <laughs> my cup was empty <laughs> yeah, yeah fair enough I I my last grief bomb was around Mother's Day Mm. how how uh how what's that typical obvious yeah. <laughs> not very creative um but yeah I you know it's, it's those milestones as well right like the mm-hmm. the exhaustion of them as well the exhaustion after a bomb is and for for new listeners when we say grief bomb we mean like the waves of grief you know when the the grief kind of is pops out of nowhere and it feels quite intense waves of grief feels really kind of like lovely and slow but for us it's more so being like a big punch to the gut that's why we call them grief grief bombs totally but they're definitely few and far between now they were yeah they were like constant to begin with and I'd say now they they happen every couple of weeks sometimes off guard sometimes around milestones and they're much more, I guess, manageable in a way. Um, I guess I know what to do now when one strikes. Um, but yeah, it's less. It's less predictable, isn't it? More, yeah. No, yeah. more predictable. More predictable. <laughs> yeah. It's less unpredictable. I think we kind of have like our our grief emergency kits now, don't we? We know what we need to do. We know what what the signs are when, you know, we haven't been looking after ourselves or listening to ourselves or our bodies. Um, so I think we're kind of really good now at managing our grief. Does that sound weird? <laughs> no, no, definitely. Like, and just understanding kind of what, what it looks like when things, when things are heavy and like how to cope. And so for anyone who is, you know, the grief bombs are still hitting a lot and you're kind of wondering like, will this subside? Like for us, it definitely has. Again, everyone's grief is so different and everyone's journey is so different. But if you are feeling like it's all consuming, like just know that sometimes like over time, they just might get less intense. Yes. And we have another question here. How have we coped with the unanswered questions and being unable to say goodbye? Good question. Good question. I mean, therapy, let's be honest, like (laughs) (laughs) professional point. Um, journaling, I think for us both. Yes. And And like writing letters. Yes. Writing letters. Um, that's been a tip that we gave you guys on another episode, which I know some of you have taken on board and it's been helpful, which is great to hear. Um, so Sal and I, obviously our mums died suddenly. We didn't get to say goodbye. We've got so many things left unsaid. Um, which has been really difficult for us. So um, we have tried this exercise where you can do it one of two ways. You can write them a letter from you saying the things that you didn't get to say that you want to say, and it's kind of a way of releasing them and connecting with them. Or flip side, you can write yourself a letter from them and it's a beautiful way to connect with them and um, tell them all the things that you think that they would say to you. It's kind of like it, it, it can almost happen subconsciously, can't it, Sal? It's kind of weird mm. when you get into the zone with it and it, it almost feels like it is them. Seeing 
mediums has been a massive one for us feeling like we are getting those unanswered questions we are connecting with our mums obviously it's not for everyone but it has given us some feeling of like connection and Uh, yeah that was an absolute game changer for our grief I really think that's been one of the top things that have been helpful for that specifically, like Mm. the unanswered questions and the unknowing and and feeling disconnected and like, we're never going to see them again. Um, We've taken like a really spiritual approach. We're like, death isn't the end. And we are actually going to be speaking to a really fascinating guy called Dr. Bruce Grayson soon about near death experiences, which we cannot wait to bring to you all, but yeah, helping like, helping ourselves like stay connected to our mums has been crucial and really important. And I think for anyone else feeling disconnected and, and who was struggling with unanswered questions or just feeling disconnected from their loved one, um, having that sort of approach and maybe even, yeah, look at speaking to a medium. We'll do a grief tip Tuesday one day soon on how to find a, a good medium because I know some people message us often like how do I find one do you do you know any good ones so we'll dedicate a whole little episode to that one so yeah keep your ears peeled for that um Jay Harris has written in and asked do we ever keep ourselves busy to keep what to to avoid the sadness and exhaustion <laughs> Sally for me I had to kind of come to terms with like you've got to give yourself time to like just feel this and like feel your grief and like process stuff. So basically making time to rest was, was, was key for me in like trying to feel the, the feels a bit more. And like, you know, I, I would have like grief bombs and days where I was overcome with sadness, but, but also like the majority of time, you know, I was like motoring along. So I think it was just, for me, it was really like, just giving myself that time to like feel in a day when I was like really busy. Um, yes. And, and kind of accepting that. And it's, it's, you know, it's like one of those things that you just learn about yourself. Don't you? Like I probably wouldn't have thought like my coping mechanism is keeping busy with things until mum died. And I was kind of in this situation. So for me, it's definitely been like finding that balance, but knowing that I, that I have a tendency to overdo it. And Mackie asks if we ever feel any guilt around not feeling as sad or griefy as we used to. Great question. I think for me, I fully welcome like feelings of relief from my grief. So in terms of feeling guilt for feeling good or okay, I don't, I don't feel that because I, I suffer from so much guilt about so many other things to do with my grief. Like I'm, I'm all guilted out sometimes. And I think we both worked really hard at like shifting our perspective when it comes to the way we view grief as well. And I think focusing on like living our life in honor of our mums has really helped us. And deep down knowing that they kind of wouldn't want us to feel guilty really helps us. And, you know, I, although I think it is a completely normal response to feel guilty for feeling okay. Sometimes you Mm. bloody well deserve to be happy. So, you know, I really try to relish in those days when I do feel a little bit lighter or a little bit more present. Um, So yeah, for me personally, I I try to really let myself off the hook when I am feeling good because I, we, we need it. We, we need all the good days and all the good moments um, as many as we can get, I think. Definitely. I absolutely agree. And Wandering Star asks, how how do we find strength to keep going when grief is a constant companion? 
our friendship uh, our friendship absolutely and this pod and you guys yeah and not being afraid to lean into the feelings like yes grief is a constant companion and grief is always with you but it changes and it ebbs and it evolves and you kind of learn to integrate it don't you into your life but yes you know I find strength in in our friendship and knowing that we're helping other people and that there's a community of us all going through this going through the whole thing together you know we're all in it together and that definitely brings me strength yes and I think you know we're thinking about like grief being a constant companion like how do we like cope with that or handle that um something that we really loved was when we spoke to Julia Samuel about the topic of change and how important it is to accept change rather than trying to fight against it and because when someone you love dies like it can feel like your whole world has changed hasn't it like nothing sometimes it can feel like nothing remains of like you or your old life and you try so hard to like grasp onto the fragments of your you know your old lives and cells that you really struggle to kind of let go and that it can it can make you feel like like really stuck sometimes like I know for me personally I felt like I was just trying to hold on to to everything in fear of losing control anymore Mm. and you know I think it's it's also like that beautiful serenity prayer that she said that she mentioned you know and the one that was your mum's favorite Sal what was that one accept the things that you cannot change and change the things that you can yes so I think just just letting the change change you and not being afraid of what that looks like and and you know Julia also said like we're incredibly resilient human beings and I I don't I don't think we give ourselves enough credit sometimes totally wise words definitely if you haven't listened to the Julia Samuel episode she is nuggets oh so many (laughs) nuggies in that one um but I think it's just inviting grief in as well and not being afraid to have it as your constant companion as scary as that might sound like you you can live with it alongside you for sure yeah um and jess asks does the shock ever fade i'm new in my grief and the shock feels all consuming i remember there being like days where i would be like caught off guard by it like is that has this really happened like Mm. is she really dead it was definitely like a it was an all-consuming shock, I would say, for me for the first year. And then things yeah. started to lift, I think. What about you, Im? I remember distinctly at the 10-month mark, um, that was the first time I even, like, slightly, like, was able to kind of comprehend what had happened. Like, before that, I was literally just in survival mode. I was just trying to survive, mm. you know, just what the fuck is going on. But I think even years down the line, like, it can catch you off guard, like you already mentioned, Sal, and, you know, especially when you get distracted for a little bit of time. Like, do you get that too, where you're, like, kind of busy doing something and then you remember again and you're like, like, it takes your breath away. Like, you could still go to call them even years later. Like, it never fully leaves you takes your breath away and like for example today like I would just like I felt sad when I was driving back from the appointment because I'm like I I would love to be able to talk to mum about this like yeah she she would you know she would love to know like she would have so many insights and probably more stories to share with me that would relate to this now and I can't and and that's yeah it hurts doesn't it and I think like there are moments where 
I still have moments, I guess this is sort of shock where I still feel like I can't wrap my head around it. Even like into the third year, even though I know she's gone, there are still moments where I'm like, it's just hard to comprehend, isn't it? You try and wrap your head around death and like the whole thing. Like, I mean, it, yeah, it's mind bending, mind bending. So yeah, shock never fully hundred percent leaves, but it's very normal and it can last a very long time. So I'd say, yep, a, a good year of like real deep, deep shock for Sal and I, if that helps. And that, um, I mean, and just to say that's, that was just our personal experience. Like if you are struggling or you feel like the shock is, you know, is all consuming, like we definitely don't be afraid to seek professional help for sure. Like it definitely can really help process things. Absolutely. Jane says, I want to know how the hell do you get used to life without your loved one? I mean, do you ever? The jury is still out on that one. But I think, you know, you can learn to integrate your grief into your life. But it yes. is a bit like the before and after, I think. Like for, for us both, I know it's been like there's life before loss and life after loss. And you feel like you look at things through a bit of a different lens. Yeah. Do you know what this reminds me of? This question reminds me of, going back to old mate Edith Eager. So Jane said like, how do you get used to life without your loved one? I don't think, I don't think it's something that we consciously do. Mm. I think, you know, cause a, a lot of people outside of grief who, who haven't experienced loss, they think, you know, eventually you get over the person dying or you get over your grief. But um, Dr. Edith Eager said to us, like, you never have to like get over what happened to you. You just have to come to terms with it. And that's also something that David Kessler said about what acceptance in grief is. It's not necessarily this one big thing. I think over time there's moments of coming to terms with it. So I think it's not something that you subconsciously do. It's not like, oh, I'm now I'm used to my life without my mum. It's just slowly over time you come to terms with this new life without them. So yes. I think it's something that just happens. And, it, and it's, again, there's no timeline for any of this. It just happens when yes. it happens, everyone's so individual with this one. But yeah, hopefully that answers your question, Jane, because I think you don't really have to get used to your life no. without them. So I think it's, that's important. It's like Edith, Edith said when we interviewed her, she's like, you're not forgetting it. You're not overcoming it. You come to terms with it. And I think yeah. this is where creating, continuing the bond and creating rituals is really important. So just making sure that you are setting time aside each week to connect with your loved one, like how you do in with your good night ritual is such a nice way just to continue that connection to them and keep them involved in your life. Yes. Keep including them in everything that you do. You don't have to forget about them. Like we don't ever have to forget about our loved ones. Like keep, keep them on this bloody journey with us, you know, incorporate them in everything that we do. Talk about them all the time, share stories. Like, yeah. Like Sal said, find little rituals. I think, yeah. Otherwise it's too fucking hard to even, think about so hopefully that helps but that those sorts of things and that that sort of perspective has really helped Sal and I I think definitely and Casey says I would love to know from you both how your grief has grown with you big, big one. one yeah I think that your grief your grief grows with you in a sense that your life becomes bigger around it. And it's that whole grow with grief theory, right? Like there's no getting over it. Like we've just said, like you, you don't have to get over it, but you can grow around grief. And that was, 
you know, the kind of the theory that we really love, right, is, is the Grow Around Grief theory by Lois um, Tonkin. For those of you not familiar with it, basically, um, in a nutshell, top line, like over time, your grief, it might stay the same, but you you grow around it. And instead of feeling like you have to shrink your grief in order to like live life, actually your life begins to grow around it. Yes. And I think that, like we said earlier, like accepting that grief is part of you and that is totally okay. And that you can find peace and like live with grief as part of your life is really key. And guys, a while ago, we asked some of you what grief meant to you. And some of the answers were so beautiful and it's such a lovely way to illustrate that as time goes on, even if your grief isn't front and center every day, it doesn't mean you love any less. So we wanted to share some of the responses with you because like you guys should be, you know, poets or something. They're so amazing. So the first one, my grief has turned into warm memories instead of burning pain. When my mum died, all I heard was grief never goes away. And I found that scary. Now I am glad because it reminds me of her in a happy way, not just sad. So beautiful. Another one was, it's a reminder of the depth of my love for my dad. He deserves to be grieved and remembered. Absolutely. I love that. And there's another one here. This ache for her is my love for her. And I wouldn't want that to ever go away. Another one here says, grief is the final act of love and I never want to stop loving and remember the, remembering the ones that I've lost. And another one, and I love this one, grief is my memories, my love, my future with my mum and I never want to let it go. And I think if, there, if there's one thing that we want you guys to take away from this episode is there's like, honestly, there is absolutely no right or wrong way to do grief and there is no one size fits all. And I think from our experience, like, grief is still very much part of our life and we still feel our grief but it just it's just different now it's like ever evolving isn't it it's an ever evolving process it's an ever evolving journey but it's 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 there it is and I've loved looking back on our grief over the past couple of years because you know we didn't as I said at the start we didn't ever imagine our grief evolving or changing or you know changing shape and and it really has and mm. it, it forever will and and I think you know it will always be there our grief will always be a part of us now but it's not something that we're so scared of anymore and I think you know that's that's been so healing for us to kind of get to that place where we can embrace our grief a little bit. So take the pressure off any feelings that you have to kind of reach a final point with your loss of acceptance or closure or moving on. You don't have to get over it. There's room for your grief to be a part of you. Oh my God, listen to us all fucking wise and shit now. <laughs> like four seasons deep, we're like giving you the wisdom. <laughs> but I think it's encouraging, like, you know, because yeah. in the early days, like we were both like, can't see the wood for the griefy trees you know it's like <laughs> oh my god we've got quotes now guys <laughs> but, um but I think you know it is like looking back on how things have changed it's yeah. you know hopefully for anyone listening who's really struggling or wants to you know find some hope that 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 things can get a little bit easier and you know yes you might still be feeling your grief but you know it's it's okay to feel the feels. And I think, like you said, Im, you don't have to get over it. There is absolutely room for your grief to be part of you. So guys, thank you for coming on the journey with us today. Like there's so much more to come and we love you guys and we love um, 
yeah, we, we love that we can support you. And absolutely. And as yeah. our grief has evolved, this podcast is evolving with it as well. And, you know, we're coming to the near end of season four and season five is going to be a little bit different. And we are so excited for you guys to see what changes we have coming up. You know, we've put our heart and soul into, into this and we couldn't have done any of this without you guys. And also, you know, another big thing about our podcast, being able to get reached and seen by other people is when you guys leave us a review, a rating, subscribe to it, all of, the, all of those things really help um, our podcast get seen by other people. So if you have a spare minute in your day, please, we'd love it if you could go and do that. Um, but yeah, until next time, we love you guys. Bye, guys. Bye.